And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This spring and summer through to next October, I'm interested in doing anything that we, after a very thorough evaluation, because if you're going to do something like that, it's you, you got to bet it's got to be very th- thoroughly done. So the, the, the way I would answer it is I would consider anything with our group here that would allow us a better chance to win the Stanley Cup. So that I would take nothing off the table at all. And I think everything would have to be considered with regards to anything to do with the, with the Leafs. All right, James. Uh... It feels like we're a little bit further along in the off season, even though the off season just started. <laughs> but we're not like that much further along because there's still a lot, obviously. To we be don't have answers. Determined. We don't, don't have, have answers. No. Well, we had we I got some we, we got some answers yeah. on Monday. They were just mostly pretty shitty answers. Shitty or undetermined, indeterminate, like uncertain gray murky well well you were the you were down there i wasn't down there so i just you know from talking to you and other people who were there and watching some of it it felt like people came away thinking the answers were shitty like they didn't they didn't love some of what was said basically that's why i call okay. them shit that's why i call them shitty i agree with that so i i told i was talking to you about that and i try as i think you do to not take too too much out of what people players say publicly well, but the last day you, of the season, too, Jonas, it normally is all BS, right? Like, the guys are just ready to go home. Yeah, but I, I guess what, what struck me and what kind of alarmed me is is just how routine the whole thing felt. Um, and there wasn't... <laughs> like, it just felt like this was just another day, and this is, like, this is what we do on this day, and we talk about, like, wanting to do better and hoping the team stays together, and it was like... Well, it is routine for them. <laughs> well, and that's that's this is that's how they alarming, do man. That that's yeah. alarming because like I I expected to hear a little bit more of it's enough now. Like like I'm I'm going to paraphrase what I 
thought I might hear. Like, it's enough now. Like, this wasn't good enough. One round is nothing. We're not, we're like an inch closer to our goal, but not close enough. We still have loads further to go. We need to be a lot better. I expected to hear some of their their star players take a little bit more accountability for, for what's happened, for not producing enough in, in key situations. I didn't hear any of that. And that was really like, I was thinking the whole time, if I was running the Leafs, and obviously that's an open question right now, who is running the Leafs? I that would have alarmed us. me. No, it's not us. But but that would have <laughs> like alarmed me that this, that I didn't hear any, I don't know, like some sort of frustration with this going on. Like this is not two years of this. This is like six, seven. Like this is, this has been going on for a long time. Again, they may have spoken differently behind closed doors. They had their exit meetings with the coach and GM, and maybe there was more anger, fire, frustration, accountability there. It just didn't feel like that. And and that spoke to me that, that a lot is going to need to change, and a lot obviously is going to change. I don't know. What do you make of... like How much does it matter what they say, or is that just like... Does that matter? Is it just performative anyway? I don't know. It, it, there's some of that for sure, but I mean, you would you pointed out that Ryan O'Reilly kind of had the best exit interview day, and like, here's a guy that's not part of the core. It was only part of the team for whatever twenty five games, um, and he's a guy saying, you know, I I needed to be better. I wasn't good enough, you know, and and maybe for him, it's like you know he said that in the past, and but I don't know. Ryan O'Reilly just seemed like a guy who showed up every game. Um, who's always said the right things and always tried to do the right things. I mean, I know he wasn't fantastic in every game and it looks like he's slowed down quite a bit from when he won the Conn Smythe Trophy, but it just feels like they need to take some of that mindset and instead of graft it onto their third or their fourth line or their third D pair or whatever, they need they need that in their core. Like they need, yeah, you, you know, and it feels like Morgan Riley has it, but it, it the, like but like they don't have enough of it at the top of the roster. Yeah, like he brought that stuff up unprompted, and it wasn't just like the obligatory like I need to be better, blah blah. blah. Like he had specifics, like I didn't generate enough offense, I wasn't creating enough, and like you get to some of their star players, like Marner was asked about the lack of offense, and he said, "Well, we had chances," and like Bobrovsky was just amazing. And instead of like, I kind of wanted to hear, you know what, like. We're the best players on the team. We have to find a way to come through. Bobrovsky played really well. We generated chances, but it wasn't enough and we need to do better. Even Matthews, the same thing. Like Matthews didn't have a goal in that series. Like I wanted to hear, you know what? It's on me. Like, I mean, we heard from Leon Dreisaitl after the Oilers were eliminated along those lines. And again, like, I don't know how much that matters, but it's, it, to me, I think you're right. It kind of speaks to the personalities of their best players. And maybe that's, maybe that's like a little bit of, part of the problem. Like you have like four mild mannered stars at the top of your pecking order who maybe don't have that in them. And maybe that's part of why like you you need to tweak this thing among many other reasons. I don't know. I think part of it is they're beaten down by what's happened here, right? Like I think this this just the I mean you wrote about you talked to Greg Harden, the the uh mental performance. performance coach or peak performance, but basically, you know, the team psychologist. Yeah. Um I think that the psychology of this team is not very good right now. You know, they're not in a good place. You know, you lose again and again and again and in an environment like like here. And it's it has to explain at least partly why they're coming up short 
in in key moments. They go into that game three, must win for them, and they just play terrible. They, they you know one of their worst games of the year, the most important game of the year. There was there was one person in the whole day Monday, the exit interview day, who said it's on me, and it was the GM. Yeah, he looked the most disturbed by everything, and obviously there's many other things going on for him. But yeah, he was the one who he was the only one like who was like. I don't know, like even even not a lot of emotion from other people, right? No, like even Sheldon Keefe's comments kind of alluded to the things that they had accomplished instead of like they won a single round. Like you've got Ve- Vegas like playing in their second yeah. conference final since you're Sheldon come in. Keefe, though, right? Like you've probably lost your job. The media is going to take anything you say and blow it up and put it all over the place. Like, yeah, I guess that's fair. You know, if he comes out and says like, you know, we should have been. If he comes out and says anything, we should have been better doing this. Everyone's going to be like, well, yeah, that, that, that's your fault. <laughs> or, you know, I don't know. Like, Yeah, you're right. Keeps probably thinking about it. I mean, if I was him, I'd be thinking about my next job already. So you probably don't want to say anything that's going to be a headline on a newspaper somewhere. Yeah. And, and I think and we're going to talk, obviously, about Kyle Dubas and everything that he said. But one of the things that um, I feel like if he does stay, you'd like to see a little bit more accountability demanded from those guys now maybe there is behind closed doors but it doesn't feel like enough publicly and and i don't know what that again i don't know what that means but it 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 just feels like the the messaging we got from the players is like yeah like it's like it's i i don't question their their want well, it was, but it you know, didn't what we feel had, like you know, it, Matt, like, yeah. I think it's related, Jonas. You know, they lose game three, they're down 0 3 in the series, and then some of the players are talking about the media. And it's like, right. What yes. is this? Like, you're on the road in Florida. Like, how many media were even there? Like, why? Like, there was like this complex about, like, oh, people, we, you know, we don't care what people are saying about us. It's like, this is what you're thinking about right now? Like, who, who gives a shit? You got to win a hockey game. Like, I don't know. Like, it just feels like, it's a bit of a like a it's it's not us it's it's something else mentality and like we've heard that in past playoffs like you go back to that Columbus series and it's like well we shot two point eight percent or whatever it was and like in this one it's like um, well Bobrovsky was really good you can make reasons right you can do that once the Columbus series where it's like you know what it was just it was a five game series it was kind of a fluke nothing went in I mean is that what happened against the against Montreal not real I mean I mean Carey no. Price was good but like. They should have won that series. They had they had three. They had to win one of three games. You know, Tampa last year. I mean, you know, that was a very good Tampa team. But I just at some point, like you just have to win. Like you can't. There can't always yeah. just be a reason. Well, why this happened? Like in the breaks, and that's well, that's the messaging that I got from that day, and that surprised me. I I and I th- honestly, I think some of that's probably like the dynamic that's there with how they feel about interacting with the media, and you know, like I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not good and that's you know i don't know how many people listening think that there shouldn't be a change to the core four i, I think that most of the fan base feels like there needs to be some kind of a change because it's been but there's this there's something that's set in with all of the losing that's going to be like how can you try it's the same thing with like when they traded nazim kadri how can you trust that he's not going to do the same thing again right so with this group, how can you trust that the core four aren't going to wilt again in a big game? You can't. You can't. 
you can't. It's been too long. It's it's happened too many. I times. mean, they they brought in like the the mental performance coach. They brought in is the guy that worked with Michael Phelps and Tom Brady and like y- you know like the best in the world. And and they still have issues. So, I I think that, and I'm sure we're going to get into this on this show. Um, I think they need to trade at least one of those guys, and then not because they're not good players, just because it's not working. Yes, and that's the that that's that's really the key line. Like none of this is to suggest they're not good players. Like they're some of the best players this team has ever had. Like, um, it's just if you want to pivot, you gotta yeah. you gotta actually pivot. Like you can't. You know, last year they tried like let's run it back, but we're going to change a whole bunch of the supporting cast and make it more playoffy. And we, I mean, we talked about it and wrote about that all year, and they did that, but the core let them down when it when when it mattered. Yeah, well, and, and like we heard from like Keith and and even I think Dubis to a degree talking about how the core came, like those guys came through in the first round. It's like, well, great, like. That's one round. Like the only way you win four rounds is that has to like keep happening. Well, keep and they happening. got some breaks in that series too. I mean, you talk about not getting the breaks. I mean, like Tampa, like the injuries they had to Chernak and like the way Vasilevsky played and they got, they got Radish who had played like 25 NHL games in their, he was on their top pair for a lot of that series. Like it's not that, I mean, it's, it's great that the Leafs broke through and won, but if you want to hang your hat just on that, there's, it's a pretty, pretty short coat rack <laughs> or hat rack yeah well like one of the questions that i wondered about um on monday is like was this season like did it feel like progress and i don't know how it could like i know they won around and obviously it had been a long long time but a th- tiny maybe a tiny amount of progress a teensy teensy like not nearly enough anyway baby, let's baby step it's a that's like a baby step. Like teams win first rounds all the time. It's nothing. Like Seattle has well, barely been around, just one around. And you know what I mean? Teams, like eight teams win a first round every year, right? And there's 32 teams in the league. So by definition, on average, a team wins a first round every four years. The Leafs are the anomaly in not doing it. Yes. And it's not impressive when you just win one round and you go out. Like it just isn't. Like it should be routine. Um, let's let's talk about Dubis um, and his press conference it left kind of more questions than answers i think maybe the most surprising part is when our buddy cj asked him if he wanted to stay and he didn't really say yes and obviously he mentioned some family stuff going on that it was a really difficult year for his family and and let me just interject to be clear sure. no no one knew about any of that like that was right. a surprise like even the people who were you know, know everything about the organization didn't weren't expecting him to say that on Monday. Yeah, and I and I have to wonder and th- and I think that the way he went about it probably surprised the organization. I would think. Um, yeah, but it left in doubt whether. I mean, it was always a question you and I had bandied about, like when we were talking about whether he would come back, whether he wanted to stay. But he really made it sound like he might not want to stay for many reasons. How much yeah. did that take some you back? That, some that we knew yeah. about and some that we didn't. You know? Yeah, right. The thing that surprised me is that just knowing how hyper-competitive and, and emotional and all-in Dubas is that he's talking about not even... like I, th- I would have thought 
his reaction to not coming back to Toronto would have been like, fuck you. I'm going somewhere else. I'm taking you guys on and I'm going to, I'm going to show everyone, you know, what I can do in Pittsburgh or Ottawa or Calgary or whatever. Um, but I mean, it, it looked like, you know, Kyle's what, 37, I think, you know, he's five or six years younger than I am. It looked like a guy who had been all in for nine years in this organization. And like, he looked, I think you you wrote this in your story, but like he looked really burnt out. You know, he looked really kind of at the end of his emotional rope. And you and I don't know what the family situation is. And I really don't want us to get into speculation about that because it could be any number of things. And I don't think it's it's fair to do that. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully everything's all right on that front. But um, like I, this market, like I've seen some people saying like. You know, oh, you know, boo-hoo, it's hard being the GM or whatever. I mean, we don't, you don't know what's happening. So you can't, I don't know, the people that are like insulting him for saying there's a family situation, I I don't have any respect for that. So I don't, I don't know where I was going with after that, Jonas, you pick up the thread. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um it just really introduces more uncertainty in this situation. And you could feel that even with some of the players, like uh, our own Sean Fitzgerald asked Austin Matthews about the feeling around the team right now. And he just said like, it's, it all feels very much up in the air and it does because like, it's, it's the GM, it's the coach, it's the stars. It's like the underpinnings or whatever you want to call it of the organization are all, it feels like the bolts are all kind of loose and like everything could go. I know from talking to people around the team, like the players feel very unsettled right now. And, you know, maybe people will say that's a good thing and maybe it will end up being that. But, you know, I think they're they're just questioning what the future of the team is. You know, what's what's the plan? Who's who's making the plan? You know, who's the coach going to be? Who's the GM going to be? Who am I going to be playing with? Are we still a contender? We You know. And uh, for the, we don't talk about the Leafs ownership group hardly ever. Like how much have we talked about? We've done this no, podcast for right. 10 years. We almost never talk about, I mean, we use, they used to get talked about all the time when there was the dysfunction with John Ferguson Jr. and the, the pension plan owned the team. And when I started covering the team, there was a lot of stuff about ownership. And then they bring in Laiwiki, uh, MLSE buys the team. Laiwiki gives Dave Donis a five-year contract extension. There was some heat then on on ownership. But since the, since they hired Shanahan, it's been very quiet and all eyes on ownership now because they decide what happens with Dubas. They're the ones that decided not to give him a contract extension last year, which I think was a mistake. You know, it created this situation. And um, if Dubas does decide to leave, it's on ownership and, and Shanahan to come up with a plan that makes sense and come up with a plan that ensures that the team doesn't take a big step back next year. I mean, that that's the concern, I think, is that you're not blowing it up. You're not rebuilding. You know, if you're trading a core piece or two, you're trying to you're trying to do kind of like a Florida and, and pivot and still be really good next year. And that's going to be really hard to do. Yeah, I think you made an important point that they set themselves up for chaos needlessly. Like there was no point to doing no. this because give them as, a two year extension. About- I mean, if if you were thinking in the back of your, I don't know, like. I think part of the what's happening here with ownership is that they got burned with that Babcock, that eight-year deal, and they had to eat a lot of that 
whatever what, he was making what six point three or something for you know it was almost was it almost four years almost yeah. three years that they had three to like it was, it was a lot of you know it was like twenty million dollars they had to eat um and I don't think they want to do that again so that possibly was why he didn't get extended last year because they didn't want to extend Dubis last summer and then decide to fire him this year and then you're on the hook for the money short-sighted because they like if yeah anyway we can um we could talk do you want to talk about that more i mean hit me with what you got i mean i don't you're the you're the plan master yeah you're the (laughs) i'm just i'm the i'm the tuba player in the back i'll play what note you want me to well obviously it it's it's a big it could happen any minute now right like they could just announce that the dubis has been extended i think the questions are like how long what kind of show of commitment do they make? And then obviously the questions become, what do they do? Um, and I thought some of Dubis's answers on those fronts were really interesting um, because more than ever before, he really didn't commit to anything. Uh, and, and I forgot last year, James, that like they left a little bit of gray with what they were going to do with their core players after that Tampa series. But I think we both felt at the time it was unlikely just based on the way that that series had been played. It was so close, but right? And like it they was were so close. They were yes. one goal from from taking it and against yeah, a really and formidable. Like it really felt like, you know, you you change make a change in goal and you're 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 real close last year. Yeah, it's funny like that ended up feeling like more progress than them actually winning around did even if that's not really the case. Well, it was progress um, over only, what happened against Montreal and Columbus, which were complete disasters, right? Also true. But I think we came out of that thinking, you know what? Maybe they should look at mo- moving Muzzin. That was kind of where you and I were at. They didn't do that. They changed the goaltending, obviously, in a significant way. But this time, I thought it was one of the phrases that, that Dubas used that I thought was really interesting is he basically said, perhaps, I'm paraphrasing, the path needs to be adjusted slightly, which read to me like you know what, we've been doing it this way for a while. Maybe we've been too full on with our belief in these guys. Maybe we need to change. And he even alluded to what you were talking about earlier, the Panthers making a franchise-changing yes. trade. Well, he uh, he put some details in there too, right? Like he he talked about trading yes. for a younger player, which I thought was interesting. Yep. yep. Like it was like, hmm, interesting. Like maybe you make a bet on like a 20, you trade your like 26 27-year-old guy for like a 22, 23-year-old who hasn't broken out yet. Yep. I don't know who that is. Like, I I don't know if you've done this yet, Jonas, but we probably need to start working on this. I've been looking around the league and like, okay, <laughs> who could you flip one of your core four for? Like, who who might be available? And like, there's not a lot. You look at it, we put it, we had the trade board at The Athletic yesterday. If you haven't seen it, uh, Mike Russo, Eric Duhachik talked to a lot of people around the league, put together a trade board of, of players who might be available this offseason for trade it's it's not a deep list it and the not. least some people i've i've seen have said to me well well they could trade one of those guys and get futures and then they've got more cap space they've already got tons of cap space this summer like they've got like 20 million dollars they got there's lots of room there but they got lots of holes too and then if you move one of the big guys there's more cap space and another hole unless you get something back to fill a hole I'm talking well, about a lot about like, holes. Do you, sorry to interrupt you. Do you have that quote yeah. that the quote that Dubas made about there was a, something about in between? I thought that one was really interesting. Yes, that was you, a fascinating quote. I'm glad it you is that like up. let 
can you read that out? Do you have that? I can, yeah. Uh, let's see here. You get in between persistence and full belief versus being a little too staunch and rigid. What he's saying there, and what I think a lot of his answers were, is that I went all in with this belief that these guys were going to get it done, and he doesn't believe it anymore. Yeah. Basically what he said. He's basically guys, saying, these we players were, let me, we were these wrong. Players, yeah, we were wrong. These players let, yeah. let me down. So to me, that's, that's someone saying, he knows if he comes back, he's got to change the approach because the approach didn't work. And it was, it's crystal clear in that Florida series that the best players did the same thing again. The same thing. So, and again, yeah, this I'm is- glad you I'm highlighted not, that, yeah. Well, that one, when I heard that, I was like, whoa, like, and it's something that, that whether you, you love Dubas or you hate him, you know, I think our audience, I think there's more people that are, that like Kyle Dubas than, than think he should get fired. Um, but there's a bit of both. Um, I think the one fair criticism of Dubas is that sometimes he's been too loyal. Yeah. And just believed in the people who he knows and gets to know too much. Like he gets too emotionally invested. I think in some of like he, he knows Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Nylander and Tavar, everybody. He knows them all. He knows their families. He's like, but his role is to to win, not to not to see everyone reach their potential. And while sometimes those while sometimes those goals align, sometimes they don't. Well, I wrote about uh, I my belief that that he should come back if he wanted to come back, but that he did need to change on that front, yeah, particularly. And I think James, one of the things I was going to bring up in that story, and I didn't, is. I was reminded of, um, I'm sure you saw the Moneyball movie and you may have even read the book. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think we've talked about this before. Didn't I lend you, was, did I lend you the book or did, had you already read it? I don't oh, know. It's probably, no, I'd read it. It's probably sitting times. on my shelf. I mean, I've watched the movie probably three times, even though you say, the, you say I don't watch any movies. <laughs> but one of the interesting approaches about Billy Bean that, that comes up in that book is is he didn't believe he should really close with the players yep because he felt like if i get too close it's going to be harder when i have to cut them or i have to trade them yep i think that that's part of what happened here i mean that's part of what happened with freddie the yeah. goat and martin marinchin and i think it's happened with some of uh dubas's staff like some of the front office yeah and it's a natural thing but in some ways the best GMs and pro sports are, they're like, I don't know, like Steve Eiserman or something. Like they're just who, who they're cold. And I like don't know him that well, but he's like a pretty, he can be very unemotional and very kind of cutthroat. Yes. And, and he's the guy I brought up in that story. And like you look at some of the things that the Lightning have done, like three days after they go to the cup final for the third straight year, they go to Ryan McDonough and say, we, we'd like him wave your no trade. And, and, we're, and I think we're sending you to a non-playoff team. And yes, can I mean, you they do did, this for they us? Did, remember, they traded Ben Bishop. Like Ben Bishop was uh, was their top goalie. Uh, yes, did he win? Yeah. It? I don't think he won a Vesna, but he was a finalist. Um, they they traded him like rate when he had value, and I think that that's they traded him to L.A. I think, and I think they got a pick, and and they got that's how they got Chernak 
that was like the prospect, I think, that they got back. Um, because they knew they had Vasilevsky coming. And yeah, if uh, you know, I spent a lot of time around Tampa in, in those years. Um, you know, I remember covering their run to the final in 2015 before they won when they played Chicago. And Ben Bishop was like a beloved figure in that team. Like he's a very kind of personable guy. He was a very good player for them. And it was just like, whoop, you know, we're moving them and we're getting this, this Chernak who no one knew anything about. And, um, yeah. Was he became part of them winning those cups? Yeah, you're right. And that's 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 kind of like a cold blooded kind of move. I mean, they went to their captain and he declined. Like they went to Steven Stamkos at one point. And he said no, and like that's the kind of thing. Like I'm just going to read you the quote from uh, after that 21 series against Montreal, where they famously Dubis and Shanahan backed the core like a hundred percent, like. We believe in these guys. Like this is the quote. Um, Duba said, I just really believe in all four of them as people. I have a deep belief in them, certainly their talent, which I think everybody sees and knows, but also in them as people, in particular, how much playing here means to them and what winning here would mean to them. It was just like a full hearted backing of them. And the tone on Monday was very different. It was like, not anymore. Like maybe I was too much of a believer. And that stopped us from doing things because as you and I have talked about before, the time to do this kind of thing would have been after that series. Like no one would have, you wouldn't have gotten criticized for doing it at that point. Obviously it's hard to execute these kind of things. You, you mean after Montreal, was, right? Like After that, Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Like if there was ever a time to do it, that was then. And, and now it feels like it's going to happen. And it was like surreal, James, like just being there on locker cleanup day when you have Marner and Tavares being asked about waiving their no movement clauses. And yeah. Obviously, Marner's doesn't kick in yet, but and it's not it's not even like a question from yeah. out of left field, right? It's like the question that should be asked. Yeah, and it's funny. Like I, I flashed back to a few weeks or maybe a, a couple months before when the trade deadline conversation came about in one of the Marner scrums, and he was like, oh, "Well, I don't think I'm getting traded," and he was like, "He was right. Like obviously that it wasn't about him." And yet, two months later, it's like, well, now maybe, maybe that's something that's going to be on the table for them, right? Like, yeah, we should, we can get into that after the, uh, after we break. Okay, let's take a break and let's actually get into that a little bit more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so James, we've been discussing the possibility, likelihood of a, a star player getting traded. Obviously, William Neander can sign an extension on July 1. 
if you don't sign an extension with him, if that's not something Dubis or whoever the GM wants to do, he feels like the likeliest to get traded. And yet, obviously, Marner has two years left. Marner is a, a better player than Nealander. He makes more, which complicates things. But what do you think is more likely of those two? And you can even throw Tavares in there if you want. Although, well, I mean, there are complications there, obviously. I, I'm of the mind that, and I, I talked to some teams about, like, no one wants. Tavares is not going to happen. Like, he's not going to want to wave, and no one's going to want that contract. So... I just feel I I don't know like the Leafs are bound by their obligation to that contract. This isn't it's not a Ryan McDonough situation I don't think. But 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 we should stop there for a second. You could get to a place where you made Tavares. I mean it's really uncomfortable, but like you made him not want to stay. He's from here, obviously. He's set up on like it's unlikely. But let's say you took the captaincy away. You said, "Listen, we want to trade you. We have a trade." to this team still I mean, unlikely well, but you could just say fuck you like i mean sure yeah yeah and he he said like i i want to be here like i don't have any interest in that basically yeah so i think the most realistic i i, I do think one of the core four is going to get traded i don't it's not going to be matthews unless he comes out and says before july one i i don't want to sign an extension i mean that would be the only way even then, I like. I don't think you trade him. I just don't. I don't what do you, what do, you do? Whatever happens, you just, you just play it out and hope he. Yeah, and hope he signs. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> it's, we disagree on that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can continue to negotiate with him until September or whatever. Like, when did Riley end up signing his extension? Like, he was in October. The, yeah. So, I mean, you could keep negotiating with with Matthews. I think that's okay. Although, if it goes sideways, then you're kind of screwed, right? So. Anyway, I, I think it's unlikely that the Matthews would would get traded. Um, it's not impossible. But, I mean, the most likely thing is that one of or both of Nylander or Marner get dealt. Which is interesting on a couple different fronts. Um, you would think Marner, just because of his contract and ability, would get you more in a theoretical trade. Right, I, his reputation around the league is is better than Nylander too. Like fair or not, Nylander just doesn't seem to get as much respect when you talk to other teams. I guess the question, if if you're doing that, let's say that that was the move that you decided on, like you like what you get in return. Does that then mean that you are going to that? I would think means then you're signing Nylander to. Yeah. Nine by eight or something or some long mm, contract is going to be even more expensive than that. Like I think it's, I think you're 10? looking at eight years by. I would say high nines is probably the number or ten, is what he's going to expect. Especially the thing to consider too that I think people are forgetting the cap's going to go up substantially in 2024. So these right. guys that are signing extensions like Matthews and Marner, or sorry, uh, Matthews and uh, Nylander, uh in 2024, they're going to be like, hey. The pandemic escrow freeze is over. We're out of the flat cap environment. The NHL and the NHLPA didn't vote to raise the cap gradually. So some people are saying the cap could go up a lot. Like it could go up six, six and a half million, Jonas, in 2024. So, and you look at what's available in free agency this year, and it's, I don't know if you're one of those guys who's like, I want, I want substantially more. So if, if you think Nylander is a $9 million player under, the cap right now, like, let me just do the math here. I can do it right now. If he's a $9 million player under an 82.5 cap, 
what if the what if the cap is eighty nine five? It's a nine point eight million dollar player. That's the kind of math that I think is going to be happening with the free agents that are going to be extending beginning July one. Elias Pettersson, I think, I believe, is in the same boat in Vancouver as well. Like, there's a number of guys that that are going to be looking at that that new money, and it worked out well for for all of the core four that the cap's going to go up right when they need new deals. And that's just dumb luck because no one knew the pandemic and all that was all going to happen. Well, inevitably, you're going to be, well, I guess presumably, you're going to be paying less in that situation for Nylander than you currently are for Marner. Yeah, and then I you think could so. take. Yeah. Right. And you, and you get assets, obviously, for Marner and you'd have more cap space to play with to make other arrangements. Well, the other Nylander is still on the cheap deal for one more year, too, right? So That's the other thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. The, the the problem or the complexity with that is like Marner's better. Like Marner's, he costs more, but he does more. I guess what complicates that even further is of those guys, he's the one you've least seen. I think the difference in the, the, the regular season Marner and the playoff Marner is the biggest disparity of those groups. Do you think that's fair or would oh, you say the, Matthews? Uh, would you say Neander? No, yeah, I think those that guys. that's right. I mean, if you ranked it, it's like Riley gets better. You know, all the other guys are a little bit worse and then Marner is, I was going to say the most worst, but that, that doesn't, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's English, but um, the other thing too, to, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about how much Neander is going to need on a new contract. Marner's going to need a new contract pretty soon too. Like you can extend Marner July 2024. So it's not like, and he's going to want more than where he's at now. I mean, whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the financial picture is going to be. You know, two years from now, um, some people think the cap could go up a lot next summer and then a lot the year after that. Well, in the history of. I mean, it's it's not much history, but we go back to the last time that he needed a new contract, yeah, and a lot of it fun. came down to right. It was fun, and a lot of it came down to well, Matthews got this. I want, I want that, or I want close to that. So Matthews will know the Leafs will know what Matthews' next contract looks like by next summer. So that kind of sets up for Marner wanting something similar, yeah. whether he well, gets was, it. You know what I mean? I like, was like, where's your heart trophy, Marner? Like, wow, yeah. <laughs> When, what, what season did you score 60 goals in? I mean, so, but the other thing too is that Marner's got a no-move clause that kicks in this year at the same time. July so one, yeah. your window to move him is is going to be right now. Your window, you're not, you're, you're probably not going to be able to trade him next year if he doesn't want to go. Yeah, if he doesn't want to go. And that's another complexity of this whole thing. And well, I think- there's a lot of complexities here. There's so much complexity here, James. It's insane. <laughs> My mind is like blown. Um, but I think one of the other things with Marner that the Leafs might say is like, well, like it's really hard to find players like that. I guess the counter to that is, well, if you're not getting that player when you need him, like, I don't know. Does that, does it, does it matter? It matters, but I don't know. Um, well, and I, I think out of everybody, it feels like the burden of the past and, and yeah, it, it seems to weigh on him a lot. So it's it's really too bad. I mean, in regular season, he's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. So, you know, if and he's a local guy and like it's just a, a great story in a lot of ways. You know, if it ends up if like can you imagine if he ends up being traded? 
I feel like in it, in it, you know, when you talk to people, they, they feel like Nylander is going to be the one who goes and because, you know, just because with, you basically not, you don't want to pay him and like you don't. Yeah. You don't want to commit. You to prefer Marcus. Right. Yeah. But and I think there's validity to that, James. Like, I, I mean, Nylander of those four guys had the best second round series, but there was still and and again, like no one has backed Nylander, written more Nylander than me. And like you've believed the same thing. But a lot of that stuff like isn't great in those certain spots where he's just not engaged or he's just not focused or or like the attentiveness is not there. Like there are reasons to be frustrated if you're the Leafs with Nylander. Like there just are. He had a great season and yet it always feels like there's like a little bit more that you need from him that you think he can get to. And it doesn't always feel like that with the, I mean, obviously it does in the playoffs, but he always leaves you wanting a little more and that's the appeal. And that's obviously the negative as well. I think this is where we should go back to the Billy Bean conversation and like the, like, I think you just have to make the objective decision who's going to play better for you in the playoffs the next three or four years. That's, like, all that yeah. matters, right? Like, that's all you – none of this other stuff, like, really matters. All you care about is winning in the playoffs. So, do you do you believe more that Marner is going to figure it out in the playoffs or Nylander is? Or neither? I mean, maybe there's a world where it's neither and, <laughs> you know, then the Leafs are going to have – Leafs are going to have $40 million in cap space and no one on their roster. <laughs> Yeah, Austin Matthews and a bunch of, you know, but, bunch of Marlins. But that's, that's complicated, James, because like Marner does more for you than Nylander does. Well, it's just that in the whatever deal you're making, you got to get a lot back. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny. We keep talking about the A's. Like the A's ended up doing that where they let their big stars, this is not the perfect comparison, but they well, let their big stars winning, go to so free it's agency. Not a, it's not a comparison people are it's gonna a, love. It's not a great comparison, but basically they said we can we can get what those guys do for less. And like that would be part of the thing with Marner or or even Nealander, but Marner to a bigger degree because he makes more, is we can take that ten point nine million and we can turn that into three players or two players or suddenly we can get we can fill more holes in the roster than we could if we just have this one guy and, and come playoff time, maybe that helps us because we're deeper in talent than we were before. Right? It's interesting, you know, because like the Florida example that everyone is pointing to with Kachuk, Florida wasn't the team that traded the best player in the deal. They got the best player and they traded the two players. And when that deal happened, you looked at it and it's like, well, that's interesting. You know, Calgary gets like a good defenseman. They get a good forward. Like maybe they're going to be okay here. That's not the way it's, pl- it's not the way it's played out. For the first if season. I'm remembering correctly, James, didn't people think Florida like won that trade resoundingly? Weren't they congratulating Brad Living on like you mean Calgary? Calgary? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that they that they won that trade. Like they replaced Kachuk with Huberto and then they got Uyghur and then it they felt like in a difficult made, situation, they like they it felt like they at least like broke even or found a way to Right. Yeah. I guess what 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 made it problematic for them is the contracts that they gave them, but that was part of the deal. Like Yes. That was part of why you do it. Yes. So, I mean, we, we are not going to have time to go too far deep into what a trade. I think we're going to do yeah, some more. We're going to do some more podcasts in the off season. Sorry, Punch. Think there's going to be stuff to talk about. Sorry, Punch producer. We're not. <laughs> but our producer was talking about taking a break till the draft, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. So, um, 
we want to do a show with uh, Sean McIndoe at some point in the near future. We're going to do a show. Shanahan is going to speak when there's some clarity on what's happening with the GM position. Uh, but I think we should keep doing shows, you know, at least every two weeks. And one of the things that we need to get into and one of the things we need to write about in the next few weeks is what does a trade look like? Like who, who potentially can you acquire if you're moving off of one of your your top players? Indeed, James. Uh, let's take a break and then we should talk about Sheldon Keefe. Other also, Jonas, we've got questions to get to. Oh, okay. Well, Keith and questions coming up. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, James, one thing we have not gotten to yet is Sheldon Keefe. Um, obviously, Kyle Dubas was asked about Keefe as well in his future and did not commit to anything. I don't know how he could have committed to anything because he hasn't committed to staying. Um, what do you think happens here? Like, Obviously, we'll find out what's going to happen with Dubas, and then that will determine in some ways what's going to happen with Keefe. Do you think there's any way that Dubas comes back and brings Keefe with him, or do you mm. think unlikely i think it's unlikely i mean this would be part of the conversation when you're talking about extending dubis is if you're the board or you're shanahan you're like okay we're extending you for x some number of years what's the plan who do you want the coach to be who are you going to move why why are you our guy you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm sure that the coach is part of those conversations i'd be very surprised if keith is back be very surprised because we talked about this on the last show too, so I don't know how deeply we need to go into this, but it's the most expendable piece. It's the easiest. We're talking about all the complications with trying to trade a star player, and there are, there are many. When you need to replace your coach, there aren't a lot of complications. You just there's just the money. You got to pay Keith one more year. Yeah, well, that's the thing. His contract expires after next season, and I mean, again, like you go back to accountability. It's it's like four straight playoffs his teams have not gotten it done and and some of the same issues kind of keep popping up and like you just keep seeing in the NBA like teams in similar positions to the Leafs just they fire their coach like Doc Rivers this morning fired by Philly um, after three seasons I thought it was interesting that that Dubas brought up needing to come up with different better offensive principles is kind of how he put it to score more in the playoffs because obviously those final two games against Tampa, they scored twice. And then all five games against Florida, they scored twice. And obviously that's partly to do with their stars and partly to do with their coach. I I wonder if too, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if like some of this is like, there's a lot of analytic principles that go into 
how the Leafs play stylistically. Like I, the coaching staff is fully bought in. They're one of the organizations that's most bought in on analytics. And I wonder if they're not accounting for enough how you have to score goals differently in the playoffs in the regular season. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember, I don't know why this stuck in my brain, but that came up with Keefe at a certain point. I think it was in the Columbus series, after the Columbus series maybe. And he said that they have looked into that and found that there was no difference between the types of goals that were scored in the regular season and the type of goals that were scored in the playoffs, which mm-hmm. I just don't think is true. And even like, I remember after the deadline this year, I brought that up with Dubis. I think it was in regards to either Lafferty, yeah, or, or maybe it was Lafferty and Achari, uh, that those guys can potentially score the types of goals that you score in the playoffs. And he kind of resisted that notion of playoff style goals. But there's no doubt that the types of goals you score in the playoffs are different, and they just have not been able to score enough of them. So is that personnel? Is that coaching? Is that both? Probably both, right? Yeah. It's There's like some strategic piece to this too, but Keefe is pro- I think Keefe is a part of a larger piece of a puzzle with, and that's why Dubas is talking about it. How did you, how did he phrase it with the finding, finding different ways to score? It's almost, he almost uses like an academic. I think he, he, he said, we have to find a way to convert on those chances and we have to find a way to build in different offensive principles that can allow us yes. to produce more at those key moments. Offensive principles is part of what the analytics team is working on. It's like, how do you create offense? And if you look at like during the regular season, the Leafs are generating, like they do really well. They do much better at expected goals and scoring chance generation than they do at, at Corsi and shot attempts because they're generating offense in different ways. Then you get into the playoffs and, you know, against Tampa, against Florida, they're generating more shot attempts and, and like the expected goals is closer, but it just seems like in the playoffs, there's more chaos and I don't know, maybe you. Yeah, I think that's the right way to put it. Those, those top guys don't generally score chaos type goals, right? Well, they, they're not cycling a lot, right? They're not like pushing it down low and, and, and going for the rebound and crashing the net and. Um, just looking at the Jonas to, to segue here, looking at the questions we're getting, there's a lot about Sheldon Keefe. So I can just, the yeah, one, one of, one of the main questions that we got, uh, Graham says, is there a coach available that will be demonstrably better than Sheldon Keefe next season? Provided Dubas even wants to make that change. Is there a name out there that, that stands out to you as someone that, I mean, I think people would be picking like Barry Trotz or whatever, if he hadn't moved into the GM role. Um, I've heard behind the scenes, I've heard. Joel Quenville's name, but I don't think with everything that's everything that Is happened. Has he been Chicago, allowed back yet? He hasn't been. He hasn't been. But I, I don't feel like this organization would want to bring someone in who was part of the the cover up that happened with the Kyle Beach situation in Chicago, and with good reason. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. It's a good question, though. I think that that's the thing that always doesn't get brought up enough when you talk about like change whether it's the gm or the coach it's like well who is replacing him and i think the same question would would follow with kyle dubas if he weren't to come back is there anyone else that comes up for you i mean i would be I mean, o- gerard gallant just got fired obviously mm, no thanks no okay i mean you probably don't want someone that's never been in nhl like you could look at dean chanauth or, or spencer carberry like i, th- I think carberry is going to get a long look at with the washington capitals to be their head coach but I yeah. don't know Washington's in a bit of a different place than the Leafs are. Like I don't know that the Leafs are going to want a first-time NHL head coach to come in. I mean, they just had they've had one in Keefe, obviously. But don't uh, you yeah, think they're going to want someone who's I think you're right. who's experienced? Yeah. 
I mean, who's it's av- too big a job. Like, there's too much at stake. There's too much pressure. Like, I think you're right. But who's available? Like, other than Gallant, I mean, Travis Green would be available. He played for the Leafs. I don't know. That doesn't feel like an upgrade, though, right? Maybe, maybe it's not an upgrade. Maybe it's just change. I don't know. And they're not going to look to the Marlies. Like, it's not going to be Greg Moore. That so. <clears throat> All right, we ready to jump in on more questions? Yeah, the pod bag is officially underway now. It's officially open for business. I feel like maybe we should get music for it, but then like I don't like gimmicks like that. So oh, I got my guitar here if you want. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. As <laughs> a producer, Punch was saying that I should come up with some kind of a song for the the pod bag. So I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that in the off season. I yeah, uh, I got a piano at Christmas, so I can, I'll I'll come up with some pretty piano music to lead into the pod bag. Like, I have veto power. I'll, I'll need to. I'll need to sing with it too. So maybe it should be like like heavy metal kind of singing, right? Jonas is Jonas is pulling the plug on the show right now. Serenity now. I'm just gonna it's gonna be dead air here for a while. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> All right, William says, uh, James, can you expand more on what you wrote about the potential tension with Shanahan and Dubas? Yeah, it's hard to get specifics. Um, it took me, I had been hearing about this during the season, but it's one of those things where you don't, we don't take like gossip and publish it right away. So it was one of those things where I wanted to hear it from multiple people before publishing it. Um, there's definitely been <clears throat> disagreements between Dubas and Shanahan that go back more than a year. Um, but that's natural that there's going to be disagreements at the top of a front office. I think this goes a little bit beyond that. I think that there's just, I think what you have is you have two very different men with big personalities. They've been together in kind of this foxhole with the Leafs organization for nine years. They've, they've changed and evolved. I mean, when Dubas started in the organization, he was 28 years old and had no experience. And I think that, I think they're both very different and very independent and they're both pushing against each other and where they want to go so is it untenable like is it unworkable that they can come back i don't think so i mean dubas is talking to the board and to shanahan right now about coming back i don't think it's out of the question that they get it figured out but that source of friction i think is part of why dubas might step away i think well and i i would think if i was in his position i wouldn't want to have to run my decisions by anyone else at this point i would think well, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, it, for, he obviously like there's ownership, but like I would want full authority. I don't know. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's interesting because in hockey, like this arrangement with a president and a GM is it's caught on in a big way. Like you see Pittsburgh hiring that now. Philly just named their their group last week. Like it's become like a two headed operation and. It's interesting, you know, like, in, it, do you see in Philly how they did it? Like, Daniel Briere's in charge of all hockey decisions, and then Keith Jones is kind of like, he's the president, but he's more like an advisor, which is interesting. So, like, the GM has power over more than the president. So, there's different ways you can do this. Um, you know, and I think Shanahan's done a nice job with things like retiring the jerseys and getting, you know, Legends Row created and, like, doing, like, a lot of, like, the restoring respectability to the franchise after the basket case years that happened and the mess that was there when he got here. Um, You know, and from everything I can tell, he's 
Shanahan's well-respected and liked at the board level and by ownership as well. And he's got years left on his contract. I don't think Shanahan's going anywhere right now. But part of the negotiation here on the contract for Dubas is not just about money and about term. It's about how, how does the role evolve for him? All right. Next question. James says, did you notice how many players praised Dubas? None of them praised Keefe. Was that a specific response to questions or was it something more? People were asking the players about Dubas, right? Yes, no one asked about Keith. Yeah. But the players do really like Dubas. The stars, like he's he's got universal respect. And you don't want to pick your GM based on what the you know, the cynics will say, well, yeah, he paid them well or whatever. But they like him as a person. You know, they like him on a on an interpersonal level. You know, and I and I think that for some of the players looking to sign extensions, like they want to know who the GM is because it matters to them. And I, th- I think that in the case of Matthews, you know, and this, this was in my story on, on Monday morning, is uh, I, I think it'll be easier for Dubas to get that extension done with Matthews. Like, there's just like a respect and a comfortability there. Well, and you can just imagine like in any workplace, a new boss comes in, you just don't know them, right? Like, you, you want to get comfortable with them, especially if you're going to commit to being here. Well, you're committing not just to term. them, but their plan, Jonas. Like, you need, they need to like. Yeah, right. You're committing to like hopefully winning, trying to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and if it's some guy or girl or someone comes in and you don't really like their vision, you're probably going to be like, eh, you know what? I'm good, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they, who would be who would be the worst GM candidate they can name? Like if they, they if they pick Jim Benning, if they pick some retread who you have no faith in, then why would you commit to you, you know the the five, four, five prime years left in your career to to that. You wouldn't. I guess where I guess where it would be interesting, James James James, is if it were Brandon Pridham who stepped in and became the GM just because he's been around as long as Kyle Dubas has. And obviously the players know him. I would yeah. think long and hard about doing that if if Dubas does decide to leave. And I know he it would be his first GM job and people might be nervous about that, but I feel like Pridham would be able to handle himself in that role. Yeah. Super respected around the league, respected by the players, really smart, good person. Like, you know, I think I think he would be fine. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it's interesting that we haven't, there's a report, Frank Saravalli reported that uh, the Calgary Flames are reaching out, wanting to talk to, to Pridham about their vacant GM role. <clears throat> uh, Brian asks, is it time to take the C away from Tavares? What do you think? So I brought this up in a couple of stories since the end of the season, and I think it's time to consider it for sure. You know, like you and me, I think both agree on this. The captaincy is like, it's mostly a symbolic thing. Like it's, it's, it's not as meaningful, I think, inside the room as I think we think it is. Like it's not like Tavares is just getting up in these key moments and it's like I'm the captain, blah, blah, blah. But I think symbolically after everything that's gone on here, I I think you can really make a case that they should make a change. Um and obviously I think if you are going to make a change in this player signs, like I think Matthews is the guy you make the captain and you just make Tavares a, an alternate like this, this has happened before. Like it's not like it's happened here. Like it's not unprecedented, but I just think of the San Jose sharks yeah. and what happened there. They had all these playoff disappointments and they just kept changing it. And obviously 
I mean, they went to a final. Like again, not, like, again, not the best example because they didn't win. <laughs> but yes, and and it's not like that was the reason that they went to the final or had more success. But it's it's basically like, listen, like we haven't gotten where we needed to go. We need to make a change in our definitive leadership group or tangible leadership group. I don't know. What do you think? Didn't Tavares say something about being captain at the? Yes, on he brought it up he, when he was yeah. asked about his no movement clause. He slyly cleverly brought it up i don't know if that has to do anything to do with this i doubt it does but he did say like i i really enjoy being captain and i take the honor seriously and i i'm certain he does it's like it wouldn't be a knock on Tavares. it would just be well what we're kind of talking about more generally here it kind of is, is a knock on him though isn't it jonas like i don't think so I, I think it's more like we need to change what we've been doing we can't keep doing the same thing we need to have something we need to keep making changes. Like the, the status quo is not good enough. He's he's been the face of our leadership group for a while. He's declining. His role is declining. We need we need Matthews to be our defined leader, even if he already is their leader. What you know? for the people yelling at their radios right now? What about Morgan Riley as the co- as the captain? Their I was going to say as the coach. <laughs> what did you say? Their their radios. I thought was funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that would be fine as well. Like he's been here the longest. He's like a culture setter. The thing with Matthews is like if you're you're trying to convince him to commit to the program and whatever, yeah. I think the captaincy would be part of would be a yes. A carrot as part of that. Well, and it's funny when you go back to that decision that they made when they named Tavares captain, you and I both believed at the time, I remember believing even in spite of everything that was going on that they should have named Matthews ca- the captain or waited a year they they should or have either, waited they should have yeah. not yeah I, th- I i thought matthews should have been the captain too i mean he he had already surpassed tavares on the ice so it was going to just be make an awkward situation yeah and it's and what was so odd about it is if it wasn't going to be matthews you why wouldn't it have been riley who had yeah. been here the longest and like anyway well I, it, riley hadn't resigned right at that point so maybe they didn't know uh, but no, yeah, but he had years left on his contract at that point. Like he wasn't going anywhere. I don't like to tear the guy down, Tavares, but like just in that dressing room, he's just such a quiet guy. Like he, and I know there have been like strong, silent types that have been good captains in the NHL in the past, but maybe on this team, that's not what that's not what it needs. Yeah. Uh, Mark says this is an unpopular opinion, but maybe you run it back <laughs> with the same core <laughs> one more time with a new coach different secondary players they lost three goals by three games by only one goal which suggests they're actually close to breaking through the idea of trading really good players out of duress to change things up scares me i would wait until next season to blow things up you're not going to be able to blow it up next season though like would uh, nylander will walk for nothing uh marner will be locked in on a no move clause so will Tavares. matthews will presumably have have signed an extension i don't I, like it would be it's in some ways, it feels like now is the time. And also, like, if you're coming back as Dubas, you're not going to want to run back. That It's just not they, – they've, they've reached a crossroads here. Like, I think that they this is the turning point. Yes. What's that old saying about insanity? How fun it is. How fun it is. And if you keep <laughs> doing things the same way, you're going to get different results for sure. Uh, Jason says, what are your and Jonas's opinions on playoff prison rules and building a team to play playoff hockey? The whistles clearly went away in the Panthers series. Panthers series was one of the least penalized playoff series in like a decade. Uh, every time the Leafs try to employ the dark arts, (laughs) 
<laughs> in brackets, he says Kadri, Kyle Clifford, Bunting. They get the book thrown at them, while opposing teams get away with body slamming our rookie and elbows in the face. Uh, do you think the Leafs should get some tough guys to open up ice for our stars, or should they double down on offense since, since it seems to dry up in the playoffs? I Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? No, you can go ahead. I think they need to, what we talked about earlier, they need to find get players who generate offense in different ways. You know, I don't think it needs to be you only can get guys like Radko Gudis or skill players. Like you got to get, you got to get some players that get to the net and that are going to do anything to put it in. They haven't had enough of those guys. I think that's a good way to put it. And I think when you talk about like playoff style players, I think one of the interesting decisions for them this off season is someone, well, a couple guys like Luke Shen is really interesting. Um, obviously, he had a really effective playoffs and he likes it here. He's been here obviously before. Uh, Noel Chari is interesting um, just because, I mean, he had his issues in the playoffs. He's very physical. He scored some goals, which obviously matters. Ryan O'Reilly, I think, will be an interesting conversation. I, I like um, I the Chari too, but when you look back over the playoffs, I think he had eight shots on goal, I believe, in 11 games. Like, yeah. And he played quite a few minutes. So I just, you got to be careful with some of those guys that are going UFA that could potentially get a lot of money not to overpay for what they are. I think that's fair. I think one of the the issues that that hasn't been talked about a lot, I know you and I have talked about it, is they've got really big holes to fill on their defense. Their defense is not good enough. It was not good enough. Um, Obviously, Shen's a free agent. Justin Hall's a free agent. Um, Like they they've got to figure out a way to make their defense better than it is and was. Uh, Jonathan wants to know, was the tension in the Dubas and Keefe interviews felt in the dressing room? Dubas had a moment when mentioning his future that sounded, I don't know, sad. It feels like the delay in the whole setup of today means they all know what's coming. I mean, I, I think you're seeing people who really put everything into an entire year and had it not, had it play out the same way it already had. I think everyone was just completely emotionally spent and exhausted from from failing. Don't you think it's like, however, as a fan, you might feel, not you, but like a listener who's a fan, multiply it by 50 and that's probably how they feel just because they were actually in it and doing it? I mean, it de- depends how deep your fandom is, I guess. I know some people get <laughs> yeah, pretty into it. I guess that's true. I mean, I guess that's, again, what was kind of surprising about the exit interviews is just it didn't feel that way, even though I'm sure that that's how they feel. But Well, the most emo- yeah, the most emotion came from the GM. Yes. Uh, Anonymous asks, how much does Austin Matthews have to demand on a new contract for the Leafs to trade him? Over, under $13 million per year? I mean... I- I, people he's going to get more than that. He's going to get more than that. That's what I was going to say. Is like fans are going to have to get comfortable with it being more than that. Like it's just, especially when you got to factor in the cap going up too. You know, McKinnon got twelve point six. He's going to be cap, the highest paid player in the league. Yeah, he's going to have the highest cap for sure, for sure. It's going to be the highest cap hit ever. You know, and and the thing to keep in mind is that Drysaitel and and McDavid and and some others are going to be coming afterwards, and they're probably going to get more because the cap's going to keep going up. And what's McDavid have left? Two, three years? I think he still has three years left. Um, But Matthews is going to set a new bar and then at some point other people will pass him. But, you know, it depends on the term on what the the cap it is, but it's not going to be less than 13. It's not. And I think if you want to really get him with some term on it, it's going to be, it's going to have to be 
quite a bit more than 13, I think. Yeah. I don't know if I want to get into who they could trade for yet. I think that that's a different show um, in some articles. Um, let's look, Why don't we close? I got two more, okay? okay. Uh, Michael wants to know, who of Bunting, O'Reilly, Achari, Camp, or Shen is the most likely to return, and what do you pay them? Do we want to lightning round all five of those, or sure? I don't. I don't feel like Bunting's back. Do you think there's a chance they could they would bring Bunting back? Feels unlikely. Yeah, I mean, he says in his exit interview they didn't negotiate all year, which is not a good sign. Um, Ryan O'Reilly. Do you think there's any? Uh, you know, I was feels bullish unlikely. On, yeah, I was bullish on bringing him back during the season, but his playoff, he just whether it was an injury or not, and he said not. He just looked slow, and he looked. I don't know. I think I, it's a it's not a great time to buy that stock. Like you're yeah. buying kind of the down years. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he's gonna be cheap. So I mean if he wants to take a big discount, if he wants to sign for three and a half or something, then I'm I'm in. But he probably goes back to St. Louis, right? Yeah. Probably probably signs for four or five years there and uh Achari. I mean I, I, I like Achari at the right number. Yeah, me too. And then Shen? Uh Camp was the next one. Okay. Uh, the tough thing with know. Camp is he's a center. What did he have? Twenty six points, something like that. The UFA class is so weak. Like you've done some work on this and you've written about this. Like he could get a number that surprises people. Yeah, he's going to be looking like at three ish, high twos plus. for sure. Anyway. Yeah, which is tough. Like I mean, he had seven goals, twenty seven points. He would again of their best players. He in played the playoffs well. as a whole. He played well. Yeah, and that was the case against Tampa the year before too. Well, I mean, he left everything on the ice. Like, I mean, you can quibble with how good his analytics were or they played him yep. in the toughest minutes and you could tell, like, he just, he put everything out there every game. Well, and one thing that's that I like about him is, like, he's low maintenance, right? Like, he, he just does his job. Like, you don't have to really worry about him at all. Uh, and then Shen, I mean, I think, honestly, I think of the, f- is there five here? Of the five, I think Shen might be the most likely to come back. The only thing is, is that I know he really enjoyed his time in Vancouver and he lives in Kelowna in BC in the off season. So I wonder, although Vancouver's got a lot of cap problems. So, and the other thing too, is I wonder like if you're a team and you're watching the playoffs and you see the way Shen plays, like, are you like, he might get some offers that price the Leafs out of the mix. Yeah. Which is remarkable given where his career was for a while. There. Well, he's been making basically league minimum for how many years now? For like four or five years, and then but you watch him in the playoffs is like that's not a league minimum defenseman the way he played. If he if Shen wants to come back for a contract, you know that's whatever under one and a half million a year, I'm in. What if it was like two two by three or two by two or something? I mean, what is he thirty three now? I don't I don't know that I want to give him three years. So I maybe the most likely ones to come back are Achari and Shen. Yeah. Uh, and the last question I got here that we should probably get into because it's a big part of the offseason. Brett wants to know what's the plan for Matt Murray? Do you think he could end up on LTIR? Will they trade? Do you think they'll play him? I think he's done in Toronto. I don't think he's going to play anymore. Um, I guess we'll see if if he's. I don't. I mean, he said in his exit interviews that he was well enough to play. Right? He's not going to retire. He's not going on LTIR. No, he's fine, healthy. So the buyout is, you had the buyout, I think, in your story for tomorrow. Is that right? Um, yeah, his buyout is, I it's think it's like 680 or something. Grand. Yeah. For the for the and year one. 
Yeah, and then two million for year two. So that that buyout is too rich for me for the Leafs. Like I would try and I would try and get someone else to buy that out. And now you could retain the Leafs could retain part of his cap. It is four point almost four point seven four point six eight. You could retain like a million of it or whatever. And then if the team you trade him to buys it out, the Leafs that million that they retained, I believe, includes it, it like changes based on the buyout. There's like a formula for that. Well, and that's and that's one of the things. Just to go back to some of what we talked about with Dubis, that's the kind of like move that he just can't make in the future. Like where he just yeah. believes in a person so much. Like there was no reason to make that trade. No, that was and, a, and, and even like yeah. I was just thinking, James. Like, would Steve Eiserman have accepted twenty five percent retention from Ottawa? Like, there's no way. So, anyway, um, anything else you want to add? No, we no, wrap? I. Th- okay. I, I mean, we're over time, and but we're going to be back. Like I said, we want to do a show with McIndoe. I think we should do a show with CJ maybe next week if he's available. Would be good. Um, Text us, CJ. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, CJ, if you're listening, which I know you do, ask us if you want to. I mean, it would be great to. We we didn't do a show with Ray Ferraro this year. It would be great to have him on. He's always one of our favorite guests. I know Elliot Friedman did a did a great show with us. I don't know. I think I think we should keep doing shows and have guests on and stuff here over the next little while. I think there's going to be enough going on. It seems like it. It's six weeks till the draft, right? Like, indeed. We can take our time off in uh, after free agency. All right, James. Uh, it's been a pleasure. If you haven't signed up for the Athletic, go to athletic.com/slash/leafreport. James has stories. I have stories. Josh Cloak has stories. Down goes Brown. There's stories on everything NHL, MLB, NBA. There's lots going on in NBA right now. Um, Yeah, soccer. That's all I got, James. Uh, It's been a pleasure. We will talk very soon.